Hey there, welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us as we explore the mysteries of Scripture, the realm of God, and freedom through Christ. So spread out your wings. And slither in place. Because this is Snakebird. Hey, Snakebirds, welcome to another episode of the Snakebird Podcast. Our topic of discussion today leads us down a fairly philosophical path and a biblical one, and that is the purpose of pain. That's right. Bodybuilders love to feel it. Villains love to inflict it. And as we will see, Christians discover purpose in it. The topic of pain. And can it have a purpose, Josh? That's a great question. And I hope that as we go along, we can answer that. Um, For me, this got really personal because I remember one morning I was driving along and I think I was even heading to church and I was listening to Ravi Zacharias, who I really enjoy. And he was telling a story about a family with a daughter who couldn't feel pain. That's a good story, too. I've heard that one. Okay. So being the nerd that I am, I almost immediately drifted into a daydream slash fantasy about being Superman or a nondescript (laughs) superhero who never feels pain. But it was really um, a pleasant daydream until the desperation of this family's situation jerked me back into reality. The daughter was diagnosed with a condition called SEPA, which stands for Congenital Insensitivity to Pain and Anhydrosis. Which basically means that those that have this condition cannot feel pain or they can't sweat. Mm -hmm. So that's the anhydrosis part. And um, in looking that up, I found this actual description of it. It says, to those who feel pain every day, the notion of a painless existence is perhaps initially appealing. Scrapes, bruises, and burns would still be present on our bodies, but would not feel any different from the rest of our body. While a pain-free life might seem like a pleasant way to live, it is actually extremely dangerous. Because it is congenital, children with SEPA cannot be taught that harming the body is a bad thing since they never feel the consequences. Normal children learn to associate negative consequences with bad actions through experience, most involving pain. The children then know that taking that action again would cause them further pain, and they do not repeat it. For instance, if a child jumps out of a tree, a painful landing will reinforce a hesitancy to do so in the future. Children with SEPA can never learn these lessons. These children will jump out of a tree, experience no pain, and are more likely to repeat that action. They can even sustain multiple fracture bone injuries. Children with SEPA often gnaw on their fingers to the point where it can endanger their life because they don't understand that damaging their fingers is harmful. The lips and the tongue are other common areas for children with SEPA. Most people afflicted with the disorder do not live past the age of three, though not all deaths are due to the lack of pain. In fact, half of SEPA deaths are due to overheating because of the person's inability to produce sweat. This causes hypothermia, or extremely elevated body temperatures, which lead to death. And then the article ends with this. Pain is as essential to our lives as breathing and walking. It is part of who we are and is among the most essential things we need to survive. And that's by Dr. Jessica Lear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy to think about. I mean, it's obviously it's appealing not to not to have pain. Yeah. Until you think of the realities of what that means. I I know I I never thought about that before because, you know, of course we see the comic book world and it's like, oh, that seems so cool to have yeah. a bullet bounce off your chest. But what if you could actually injure yourself but not feel it and not know that you're there, um, actually bleeding out or having some kind of infection, something like that. It just goes to show how 
everything has a purpose in the way God designed it. Yeah. Like we were talking about earlier. I mean, we drop about the freezing cold of, of winter, but everything has its place. And, and pain is part of that. Yes. And for me, I started to see that, um, especially spiritually and in this life as we go along, the ability to feel pain is a blessing. Yeah, that's true. Because it allows us to identify when something isn't right. Yep. Very true. So like most podcasts that we start off with, do you have any definitions for pain? Anything that you found? Uh, yes. And, you know, one might think that defining pain is unnecessary at first glance, but when you really think about it, it can be many things. Uh, pain can be good. It can be bad, like we just discussed. It can be physical or emotional. And as we're going to see, there's a spiritual side of, of pain as well. Um, but regardless of the angle of pain we're looking at, it's always an internal experience. Um, one researcher made this statement about the science of pain. Pain is a kind of perception, similar to smelling, tasting, and hearing. However, those senses tell you what's happening in the world around you. Pain tells you what's happening within the world of your own body. So I found that very interesting. And, and our main focus today is primarily centered around how pain can have a purpose. Um, because when we know that there's purpose in something, even if it hurts, we'll be able to not only get through it better, but we'll be able to take joy in the pain, as sadistic as that may sound. But um, joy and pain is much better than sadness and pain. As I once heard it said, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of delved down into some definitions of pain as well. And I was surprised to find out how many different kinds of pain there are. Mm -hmm. And while this isn't a medical podcast, I was like, <laughs> okay, well, that is fascinating. I mean, I never knew like acute pain was all about like, um, not acute pain, but acute. Yes. <laughs> That's cute. Not pain. chronic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, then you have chronic pain too, but acute pain is like broken bones or it's short term. Yeah. You know, you have surgery and you're healing from that, but chronic pain is like that long term really impact your quality of life. And then um, I thought, you know, it's even interesting. People talk about phantom pain, you yes. know, and that's that like an, a limb has been amputated and it still hurts from time to time. And you're like, ah, that's... I have phantom pain sometimes. Oh. oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. You're missing a body part. I am. And I'll actually talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> if that's not the price of admission for this podcast, I don't know what it is. You're like, what is he missing? Yeah. Well, so, hang on and you'll find out here in a bit. Yeah. yeah. Some of us have extra parts, you know, <laughs> but then you're right. Um, as, as much as there are medical definitions for pain, I think there's other avenues for our afflictions. Like you said, emotional or psychological pain, maybe stemming from the loss of a loved one, mm -hmm. or um, maybe just a hurtful or unhealthy relationship, or maybe even just wounds that never seem to heal. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but um, psychologists have said that uh, in terms of our failures, we will revisit them over and over and over, just going over them in our head of why we failed and how we failed and, and just dwelling in them versus our successes we never even touch again. Yeah. We just, we don't go back to those. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's what they call rumination. I'm like, oh, that makes oh, a lot of sense. Okay. You know, and some people even just suffer from low self-esteem. And I thought about, you know, if we're not careful, our pain can control us. That's so true. And it can limit our potential. And um, in the hands of our enemy, it can really immobilize us. 
But God wants to use our pain, and I believe that He wants it to have a purpose. Yeah, and that you know that emotional pain—that's such a real thing. Um, I worked with a guy one time that uh, he was abused physically by his father, like like hitting him and stuff. And uh, he was kind of confiding me one day, and he said, "Yeah, but nothing ever hurt any worse than the words he said." He said, you know, the, the, the physical, that was stuff that was done out of impulse. That was, but the word said that was something that came from the heart. Yeah. And, and so the, that's, that's a big deal. This emotional pain, things that uh, we carry with us for the rest of our lives. Yeah. So that's a very real thing. It is. It is. And they ring true. Yeah. So, well, I know that we have a couple of different presentations to give. So do you want to go ahead and start with some of the things that you found? Sure. Yeah. Um, I guess the first thing that uh, I've got in my notes here is the pain for the purpose of growth. Okay. And there's so many great examples that I've heard over the years to illustrate the whole no pain, no gain concept. Uh, Muscles must be torn before they can get bigger. The horrid pain of a decade in college before becoming a surgeon. (laughs) You know, lots of pain out there. But for me personally, uh, the best example that is stuck in my memory is through watching my kids grow up. Uh, watching my kids is always the best illustration for me because I find myself telling my kids something completely random and then all of a sudden it hits me. What I'm instructing them on right now is exactly what I need to work on in my connection with God. Oh, wow. And I mean, it never ceases to amaze me. But uh, so as my kids started approaching about three, they got these things called growing pains. We've all heard of this. And I would remember my daughter and son just crying at night because their legs were hurting so bad. And all I could do was just tell them, I'm sorry, you know, but Mm -hmm. this has to happen for you to grow. Yeah. And then a day or two later, they'd be just fine until the next round hit them. But it really made me look um, back on how I've grown in my spiritual journey. And there's times that if God told me, hey, this is going to happen later on in your walk with me, I wouldn't have taken another step (laughs) (laughs) because I didn't, I don't want that pain, you know? And that's, that's um, just God's perfect timing and faithfulness. He walked me through the whole process and looking back on it, I can see that I grew in it. And um, we've mentioned this before in other episodes, but there's this Greek word in the New Testament called dokimos or Mm. dokimos, either way. Um, And it means tested or approved. It's this word speaking of time. And, and, you know, pain's part of that, how you grow and everything. And um, I think of also Philippians 1.6 that says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. And so I I just, uh, I really think about um, pain and growth and how important it is um, that we have to naturally go through some spiritual growing pains. But, you know, I also, I don't want to neglect concerns that many have when we see Christians going through some horrendous things. Yeah. Because there's, I mean, like you said at the beginning, pain branches into so many different forms and it comes in so many different ways. I've, I've heard so many stories and even been a witness to certain Christians, uh, brothers and sisters in my life, that questions will even surface in my mind, why is this happening to them? Yeah. You know, why, why on earth would God allow this type of pain, especially in the cases of, of people who are noticeably faithful Christians? That's just a hard, hard thing to put together in your mind. Oftentimes, you know, like cliches, well, bad things just happen to good people. Mm. A lot of times that, that fails us because while it's true, um, we as believers need to have at least a little understanding of what to do in those situations. And 90% of the time, we're not, we're not going to know 
how God uses certain hardships until much later, if we even find out at all. Yeah. So um, two things that I that I found to hang on to in this type of pain is number one, He will not give us more than He can handle. Mm-hmm. And I worded it like that. I'll, I'll elaborate in a minute. And number two, it eventually will pass. So, uh, number one, he's not going to give us more than he can handle. And as I was studying for this portion, I realized that I've always quoted this, that God will never give you more than you can handle. Mm-hmm. And I go to the one of the Corinthians. I can't remember which one. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's um, I, I realized that there, there's a lot of things that people can't handle. Um, so much so that, that people will take their own lives. They'll turn to mind-altering drugs or drink to avoid the thoughts that they can't handle. And so the last thing I want to do here is tell you that somehow you just have to find that inner self strength and pull yourself up by your bootstraps because that's actually not what we're called to do. We're called to find our strength in God. And Second um, Corinthians 1, 8 through 10, Paul elaborates in, on this by saying, quote, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will deliver us again. And that, my friend, is the strength that we need to seek after Mm -hmm. because we can't handle certain situations in our strength. We just can't. Um, I can't help but think of this little thing God put in our bodies called adrenaline. Yeah. And um, whenever our bodies are overloaded, I mean, if you don't know this, something uh, that we can't handle naturally, uh, a hormone's released by our adrenal glands. And let me tell you, it works. I'm going to now tell you all which part of my body (laughs) I've lost. I once had a slab of concrete fall off a work truck and it hit me right on the left foot. And uh, I knew that something happened. I didn't know that this happened, but it, it pulverized my big toe, like the bone and all. And I didn't feel the thing. I really didn't. I looked down and all of a sudden my shoe turned red. I was like, that's quite the magic <laughs> trick. And then I was, you know, soon found out what was going on there. Ta-da! Yeah. <laughs> Merry Christmas. So, uh, yeah. Um, so I am an amputee. Y'all now know that about me. But uh, I'm the only type of amputee people laugh at, unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> But yes, yes, uh, even doctors have discovered how to put this amazing creation of God's into something called an EpiPen. And the point I'm trying to make here is is that God has extreme strength that he can bestow upon us in times of desperate need. Um, A spiritual EpiPen, if you will. Because there's times that we're not going to be able to handle things. You you think of some of the stories you've heard people go through, and there's just no way. Mm -hmm. Um, we see that God can give us the strength to, to make it through, and He is faithful to see us through. So that's that's a big one for me. Do you have anything to add to that, Josh? Yeah, um, we'll kind of get into this, and I know, here we go again, it's going to be another podcast, <laughs> but the whole thing is like talking about what God causes versus what God allows versus yes. the fallen world, and and we, I want to make sure that we never attribute something to God that He hasn't done, Yeah, and that we never take away 
from something that he has done. And, and sometimes we see that, you know, characters in the Bible, I'm going to talk about one in just a little bit who says, God allowed this for this purpose. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I know that a lot of people are like, God did this to me. And and that always, you know, it gives me that little bit of like, feeling because I'm like, well, are you sure? Or is it just the world is, is, you know, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And sometimes the world is bad. I know of a band that says, instead of why do bad things happen to good people, they sing a song that says, why do good things happen to bad people? Because they're Mm -hmm. trying to emphasize, hey, we don't deserve anything. Even though in our karmic understanding of things, we're like, well, I'm a good person, but that's not necessarily the case. So, yeah. And then (laughs) that'll be our uh, to be or not to be Calvinist episode. (laughs) Exactly. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And then I just heard recently, um, I think it was my wife that started saying, this too shall pass. It might be like a kidney stone, but it's going to (laughs) go. And I was like, oh, wow. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Well, that's a perfect segue because um, number two is it eventually will pass. Okay. Um, And the first Bible story that comes to my mind with this one is Job. Uh, Yeah. Job, he was a good man. The Bible says a blameless man. Yet he went through some of the most horrendous life experiences we could ever imagine. Yes. Uh, He lost his family, his livelihood, his children. He lost his health. I mean, talk about losing. He lost everything. And we do see that eventually the season of suffering ended and God was faithful through it. But aside um, from that story, there's something that we should hang on to, and that is hope. And we don't need to dive too far into this because we did an episode a while back on hope and, and go check that out. I think it's hope in the darkness. Mm-hmm. But um, hope is foundational for stamina to get through the season. First uh, Peter 5.10 says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And if we put our hope in that then we'll be able to get through whatever situation through God's strength. Um, the hope in our destination will give us perspective to see through the mist of uncertainty. Mm. So that's that's number two um, that I got on that. It's going to pass. Yes. It will eventually pass. Yes. Yeah, which kind of leads me right into some of the presentations that I have, which yeah. is... Um, I believe that there are three ways that our pain can have a purpose and not just limited to three, but these are three that um, I came up with. And number one is pain can give us the perspective of eternity Mm. that this life is temporal. And so um, I started to look into that and I started to think about it. And I wanted to pull from the Bible a few characters that come to mind when I think about pain. And I was just thinking about, um, you had mentioned one of the Corinthians, and this is in one of the Corinthians as well. It's in 1 Corinthians 10. And it lists um, how the children of Israel were walking through the wilderness. And it talks about um, how some of these things they went through. And it says, we recorded these things for your admonition. And so I think that as we look at some of these Bible characters, God put them in there and he put their circumstances and their situations in there so we could pull from them later from the Bible and go, oh my gosh, that person went through this. Now I can see how God worked it out in their situation or how I can relate to it and and really pull from that. And one of them for me is also Job, you know, because he has such a tremendous story and such a outrageous story that, you know, to the 
to the point that you made at first, he loses his wealth, he loses his security, and then he loses his family. And his response is, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord has given and the Lord has taken away, but may the name of the Lord be praised. Mm. And then we see to Satan, it wasn't enough. He still wanted Job to curse God. And so next to go was his health. And uh, he covered, Satan covered Job from head to toe in painful boils. And even so as far as his wife just wanted it to end and she said, curse God and die. But I love his response. He goes, you're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept the good from God and not the trouble? And what a wise guy. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, you talk about the patience of Job and, Mm -hmm. and I really love the book of Job because of how it unfolds with his, um, his friends coming to comfort him. And they sat with him for a whole week before anybody even said anything. And then they get back and forth into this kind of theological debate. And then you even have this young guy come in and he kind of gives his two cents. And then I love how the book ends with God coming and saying, Hey, you've asked a lot of questions about life. Let me ask some questions of you. And it's, it's just a really cool book. But I found with Job in terms of pain, giving a perspective on eternity, he says a couple very profound things. Um, one that he says in Job 2310, he says, um, in reference to God, he says, I look to the right. I look to the left. I look before me. I look behind me. And then in 2310, he says, but he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. And he's like, right? yeah, exactly. <laughs> Proven, you know, um, I remember being at a men's conference or something and the pastor was talking about dokimas and then there's the extended word, like the root word is, and it goes dokimazo. Mm-hmm. And he like, he has that tattooed on his arm and he was like, dokimazo. And he's yeah. like, that's what we want to be as men. It was just, I it, felt like he was Braveheart and we were all <laughs> chanting. <laughs> yeah. Freedom. Yeah. It was so cool. <laughs> and so I'm like, if I ever get a tattoo, that's the one it's going going on. So, um, and then Job 1925, another profound thing that he says, and I've always laughed at this because it's such a beautiful song that's on the Christian radio a lot, or it used to be, um, for, I know that my redeemer lives and he shall stand at last on earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this, I know that in my flesh, I shall see God. But I've always thought like, that's such a pretty song. But that verse, even for Job is like, listen, I don't care if like head to toe, my body is deteriorating. I know I'm going to see God in the long run. Talk about perspective. Yes. Yeah. He had a tremendous perspective for eternity. And another person that had a tremendous perspective of eternity uh, is Paul the Apostle. Because he went through massively painful experiences. I mean, I don't know if you've ever, well, I'm sure you have, but the, if you listener have ever read this, it's 2 Corinthians 11. He talks about how he really didn't want to boast, but the Corinthians have these false teachers coming in, making all these crazy claims about who they are, and then trying to dispel who Paul is. And he kind of goes off. I mean, he goes on a rant. Mm-hmm. And this is what he says. He says, are they servants of Christ? And I love that he says in the message, he goes, I can't believe I'm saying these things. It's crazy to talk this way, but I started and I'm going to finish. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I usually quote the message translation, but there's a couple times in this that I really liked it. And he says, I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, have been flogged more severely and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. 
Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have gone without sleep. I have known everything else. I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. And then I'm going to switch from NIV to the message right here. He goes, when someone gets to the end of his rope, I feel the desperation in my bones. When someone is duped into sin, an angry fire burns in my gut. If I have to brag about myself, and he puts that in quotes, I'll brag about the humiliations that make me like Jesus. I love Paul. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) who couldn't, right? Whatever he did, he... He never sinned against his conscience. No. Even before he was a Christian. Yes. Because his conscience told him what he was doing was right. Oh, no. Yeah. And, and that's just a perfect example of yeah. Paul just, yeah. he's all in. Well, and it's like before he had a broken compass, but he followed it yeah. to the T. And then after Jesus came and, and basically called him, then his compass went true north to God. Yeah. But he, he never strayed. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And you think about it, his perspective of eternity um, is conveyed in a couple of the different books that he wrote. Another place in second Corinthians, he says this, um, we are pressed, but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. And later on in second Corinthians four, he says this, therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction, another word for pain, which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Hmm. And then he says something else very similar in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. He says, For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Yeah. And so, I mean, you talk about pain that gives us a perspective of eternity. He, he knew that this life, we've talked about it before, this life is the short term. What's to come is the long term. And Job knew that as well. And I, there's several other characters that uh, reflect that in the Bible. And we're going to talk about um, one of the main verses that I believe that talks about eternity as we close. But that's, that's one of the things that our pain should do, is yeah. it should give us the perspective of eternity. That's true. Because yeah. even James goes, what's this life? This life is a vapor compared to what's to come. That's true. And that's this is the whole pain and growth type of pain. Yes. Which is, man, it, it has to happen. Yeah. It man, it stinks in the midst of it. But. Well, yeah, I just I appreciate that viewpoint that you brought of like growing pains mm-hmm. cuz I I'm not as much well, I'm not at all anymore. I used to be in shape. I a uh, shape. I guess a pair's <laughs> <laughs> a pair's shape, but I played sports in high school and honestly, I love going to the gym. I really did and and I I still do. I just am not a not good at it but i mean i really like that feeling of working out and then the next day you're like ah yeah but you know it's for a purpose like exactly you know you tore those muscles down so that they can come back and get stronger and all that and you can take joy in that type of yes because you know where it's leading yeah (laughs) and you might be kind of hating life for the first couple of days of getting back into a workout routine (laughs) what i do (laughs) (laughs) you know as long as you know i sounded like Bill Clinton right there. You really did. It <laughs> was awesome. Oh, that's great. <laughs> you know, and and you got to be careful that you don't overdo it, especially getting back into it. But all that, I yeah. mean, 
that kind of pain, it's, I, that's why I feel like going to the gym and going to church are very similar because the more that you go, the, the more comfortable you feel and the easier it is, Mm -hmm. but the longer you stay out of it, then the harder it is to go back and get in the routine. So, so true. Yeah. Okay. So that's, um, number one, I had a couple more. Uh, The second one is pain can connect us to the presence of God. And my um, characters here, uh, first and foremost, is David. And we all think about King David, or we think about David and, and as he is the giant killer, as he slayed Goliath. But, I mean, do we ever consider David the heartbroken? Hmm. You know, I don't think that we remember that David spent 15 years in the wilderness running and hiding and waiting. Yeah. It's interesting you mentioned at the beginning of the episode that we to ourselves concentrate on our failures more than we do our successes. Yeah. Well, when it comes to characters in the Bible, we tend to put them on a pedestal mm-hmm. and we miss out on the pain that took them to get where they were. Yeah. And so that's so true. That's great. Yeah. I mean, we think about it. He had 40 years of ruling. And so, I mean, you're like, that's the thing I'm going to focus on. And I'm going to focus on yeah. him killing a giant with a slingshot. But for him, it's insane that he was anointed king and then he had to wait for at least 15 years before he was actually crowned as king. That's true. And so uh, a couple of the verses that we find that he writes just in terms of connecting to the presence of God, because we remember that God said of him that he's a man after his own heart. He says in Psalm 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And then um, I really love this verse, and I've kind of kept it in the back of my heart just through hard times. Uh, Psalm 56, 8. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. I mean, you think about physical pain, God knows about it. But you also think about mental and spiritual and sorrow and the things that just maybe no one else knows about. I love to know that God is closer than a brother. And anytime we cry, he knows it. Yeah. You know, I I, I was trying to find this verse and I, I Googled it and somebody asked on a website, does God literally keep all of our tears in a bottle? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, he's God. And so I guess he could. But, you know, of course, the answer um, that the person gave, because I was like, oh, I have to read this now, was... This is more uh, figurative, but I I really do believe that God knows every hair on our head. Mm-hmm. So he knows every tear we've cried. Yeah. I mean, he knows if it was um, a Hallmark commercial or whatever that, yeah. that choked us up. But he also knows that that time where we lost our pet or maybe a grandparent or a loved one passed. and Like and that the, emotional stuff yeah. that, that no one else can see. Exactly. And that's kind of like uh, at the beginning I mentioned pain's a kind of perception, but mm-hmm. it's within our body. It's no one else can see pain. Yes. You know what I mean? But us. Yeah. We feel it. And like physical pain we can feel, but the inner stuff, that, that scripture really speaks to God knowing us on a personal level. Yes. So it really separates us from the animals. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Man, you started making me think of when you get um, uh, admitted to the hospital and they're like, okay, here's the happy face. That's a zero. And then here's the cryy face. That's a 10. What's your pain in the scale? You know, I can't describe this one. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's not on that chart. Exactly. But God is able to look into our soul and he knows the extent of it. 
but he also relates to us. And he knows how to heal it. Yeah. And he became a man, so he knew, you know, he, he understands the pain that we go through. Yeah. So David was one of them, and we find out that David's pain was for a purpose because look at the connection that he had with God, and look at the experiences that he had, and look at what was um, he was able to write out of it. All of the Psalms that he wrote that we are able to glean perspective from and we're able to glean um, just connecting to the presence of God, talking about dwelling in his presence, talking about wanting to be there. You know, I always go back to Psalm 84 where David's like, I just wish I could live in church, (laughs) you know, and that was his heart. And yet even we see that he had times of, of struggling with, um, depression and he had times of struggling with doubt and I think of like Psalm 42 and 43 which are kind of like brother and sister Psalms where he says the same verse in both of them um, but in Psalm 43 5 he says why are you cast down on my soul and why are you disquieted within me hope in God for I shall yet praise him the help of my countenance and my God yeah and I feel like even though he felt pain he knew the remedy was to run to God exactly if that's that whole God-shaped hole, you know, because yeah. like you got a headache, you get a Tylenol, if you got this, you, you can run <laughs> to that type of physical stuff, but, but God's the only one that can supply the remedy. Yes. And, da- and David so eloquently puts that in most yeah. of his Psalms. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And, um, okay. So another person that knows about connecting to the presence of God through their pain is Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. And, um, I mean, if you don't know a lot about him, he was a resident of Israel during the overthrow from Babylon, and his family even turned against him and plotted to kill him. And then throughout his ministry, he was whipped and put into stocks. He was attacked by a mob. He was threatened by a king. He often was ridiculed. He was arrested, beaten, accused of treason, and thrown in jail. And then on top of that, he was thrown into a deep, empty well. He was in so much pain and he was so hurting that when they finally lifted him out of the well, they needed to throw down a ton of rags to just use as a pillow so that the that the rope wouldn't cut into his body. All around him, his friends and his people were being taken away as captives, yet they didn't see him as important enough to take, so he was just left there. He spent 40 years telling people what would happen and they didn't listen. This guy knew pain. He knew pain physically he knew it emotionally he knew all kinds of pain no kidding yeah i mean and i didn't even know he said this i i was um just kind of looking into his life but in jeremiah 15 18 he says why is my pain perpetual and my wounds incurable which refuses to be healed will you surely be to me like an unreliable stream as waters that fail i mean he had a really rough go at it and he is someone that I think in terms of allowing pain to control our lives, he could have leaned into that mm-hmm. and he could have been like, you know what, God, my life is a lamentation, you know, and he wrote the book of lamentations, but he could have been like, I don't want to go on in this. Yeah. And yet we find that through his connection to God, he gave us some of the most comforting verses that we have in the Bible, a verse like 
Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of good and, and not of evil, plans for a future and a hope. And then he even gave us a picture of the new coming covenant. Um, it's in uh, Jeremiah 31, verses 33 through 34. And then the last thing I'll say is that he had so much pain, but he was able to overcome that with so much hope and so much healing. Jeremiah 33, 6 through 9 says this, Behold, I will bring it health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. And I will cause the captives of Judah and the captives of Israel to return. And I will rebuild those places as at the first. I will cleanse them from all their iniquity by which they have sinned against me. And I will pardon all their iniquities by which they have sinned and by which they have transgressed against me. Then it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise, and an honor before all the nations of the earth who shall hear all the good that I do to them. They shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and all the prosperity that I provide for it. So you take a life that, I mean, his his nickname is the weeping prophet, and yet there's redemption in it. And um, God can create a really strong connection through uh, pain. And we can connect to God through him working through that in us. That had to have been an insane uh, frustration for him to be able to, I mean, just constantly trying to tell the people and they're not listening. Yeah. So for him to come out with that uh, positive stuff, he had to have had a great connection with God who yeah. was able to provide the peace and the, the way through that pain. Yeah, for sure. And then um, I'll mention Ruth and Naomi because they're just another circumstance in the Bible where, I mean, I always thought of, this is the only way that I remembered Ruth was like Joshua judges Ruth mm-hmm. <laughs> as, you, nice. as you name the chronological or, you yeah. know, not chronological, but as you were able to learn the, the names of the books of the Bible in order. And I was like, why is Joshua always judging Ruth? But um, <laughs> <laughs> as you get some of their backstory, uh, Naomi had this husband named Emelech and, uh, he and she and their two sons moved off to Moab and it was kind of um, a famine in the land. So he decided I'm going to jet over there and see if I can't make a lively, you know, a livelihood over there. And her sons got married and then all of the men died, the husband and the sons. And so Naomi, she's just devastated. And she's like, I had two boys and I had a son and they had daughters-in-law and, or I have daughters, you know, they had wives and, um, she goes, I'm, I'm moving back to, to Israel. And she looked at her daughter's in law and she said to both of them, you don't have to come with me. Um, the, the, at the time, the cultural thing was that if you had a son who was married and the son died, then the girl would marry the brother to continue on the lineage. And she looks at the daughter-in-law laws and she says, I'm not going to go have kids and then you wait for 18 years for them to grow up and then marry. That's really creepy. Yeah. So she's like, I, I just release you from whatever, um, connection that you feel to me. And Ruth was the one that said, I'm going to stay. And when they got back to town, they looked at Naomi and they said, Hey, you're back. And she's like, my name's not Naomi anymore. Mm -hmm. It's bitterness. Wow. Call me Mara. Cause I'm in a bitter situation and yet we see how God used their situation to all of a sudden allow Ruth to meet this guy named Boaz. And the next thing you know, 
Ruth and Boaz are getting married because of the kinsman redeemer. And there's such a beautiful gospel portrait in there, but she's in the lineage of Jesus. So yeah, that's a great one. And I love that at the end of it, no longer are they calling Naomi uh, Mara or bitter. Now they're calling her blessed. You know, didn't she, wouldn't that be kind of a purpose of pain, um, pain as, as a sacrifice? Yeah. Isn't that kind of what she did by giving herself that name? She was doing something, causing herself pain, staying when she didn't have to. Yes. And then God turned that in. I, I didn't have that in my notes, but I thought about that. Pain is a sacrifice. Yeah. Because I think of uh, David um, saying, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Oh, yeah. You know, he sacrificed. And then there's the scripture, um, 1 Corinthians 9, 27, where Paul says, I, I discipline my body, which we've had some really bad doctrines come yeah, out of that. Yeah. But it's this it's this thought of uh, pain as a sacrifice, mm. you know, like fasting. Yes. So, yeah. It yeah. just made me think of that. Yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt no, you. No, no. And I just, I, I want to hit on this one more time is sometimes we blame God for the pain that we're in yeah. because, you know, even Naomi said, and the almighty, he's afflicted me with this. Mm. And yet God is the redeemer of the unredeemable. He's the fixer of the unfixable. And while she was so just, I guess, um, nearsighted on all that was going on. And, and it was a tragic situation. You never want to call the loss of your husband and sons, yeah. you know, a blase thing. But God was able to come in and redeem that situation in a way that she would have never thought possible. Yeah. And so I just, I know that we need to be careful because a lot of us, when we go through pain, we're kind of going, why am I, why is this happening? Yeah. You know, what did I do? What did I do wrong? Mm -hmm. And it's not always, you know, um, what Paul got bit out of the fire. Um, remember when Paul was on, I think it was the, the island, island of Malta. Yeah. The viper. The yeah. Serpent. And, and all of a sudden all the villagers like gathered around and they were like eating their popcorn going, we're waiting to watch you die. Yeah. You know, and they're like, cause we know you did something wrong. And so the snake bit you. And then they thought he was C-3PO and they tried to make him a God. <laughs> like the Ewoks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically it was, yeah. And so like, you know, a lot of times if something happens to us, we're like, well, what did I do, God? Yeah. And and that's not the case that, you know, and I, I didn't know if I was going to share my story. Um, I have a condition and it's, it's not fun. Uh, I have in my legs lymphedema and it basically causes swelling. And it's something that I've lived with for eight or nine years now. And it's something that the doctors don't really know why I got it. There's a possibility that I picked up um, a parasite in a mission trip to Africa, like drinking the water or whatever, you know, they always say, don't drink the water. <laughs> and there's, there's a chance that it could have happened a different way, but usually it doesn't happen. Um, if it, if it ever happens, it doesn't happen in two limbs simultaneously. And so they don't know why, but it's, it is painful and it's not fun to live with. And it's one of those situations where I've asked God, what was the purpose of this? And, and why do I have it? And what can I do to get rid of it? Yeah. You know, I start, you start going through like the stages of like bargaining and everything. And, yeah. and yet I feel like, um, especially as we talk about like Paul, which I'm going to in a second, I feel like God has given me answers about it. And I feel like, um, if we're not, if we're not too focused on what we're going through, a lot of times God can use our pain to actually um, help us connect to other people. And you can say, hey, 
I'm going through something similar or I've been through something similar, you know, maybe you can reach out to somebody who's lost a a toe, you know, and not joking, but you can, you can relate to somebody who's gone through, um, the loss of a house when you, when you had your house burned down, Mm -hmm. you know, or you can relate to parents who are experiencing kids that are going through growing pains, things like that. And, you know, since you mentioned that, I gotta mention that a lot. Some people I've heard skeptics, you know, why would God have to become a man and come down and die? And it's because of the point you just made, relatability. Hmm. Uh, Hebrews four fifteen says, "We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin." Hmm. And it speaks to God knowing how to relate to us in the pain we go through. Yeah. And so that's that's a great a great reason that Jesus came down as a man is to relate to us. Yes. So we think that oh God doesn't understand what I'm going through. Yes, He does. Yeah. And Jesus is the answer. Yes. Amen. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so I said I have three ways. The first one was pain can give us the perspective of eternity. The second one was pain can connect us to the presence of God. And then the last one is pain can reveal the power and the plan of God. And just a couple people that I wanted to talk about. The first one is Joseph. And if you remember Joseph, he's got a Technicolor dream coat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the coat of many colors. And he he kind of had an interesting way of approaching and talking to his brothers and his mom and his dad because he's like, I had this dream. And in the dream, you guys were all bowing down to me. And I don't know what it meant, but it was pretty cool. And then he did it again. And his brothers just hated him for it. (laughs) It's pretty sweet, I guess. Yeah, (laughs) It was was a good dream. And you're going to work for me and you're going to work for me. And, you know, and of course course he was already dad's favorite because of his mom and all that and yeah man his brothers hated him yes they did and we see that he had a coat which had sleeves and so that meant that while they might have had hard labor he probably was more in like a supervisor position and they planned to kill him mm-hmm. and so they tried to carry it out and then they chickened out at the last minute and they ended up selling him into slavery instead of killing him and for 13 years the Bible thinks it's about 13 years he was imprisoned, at least. He served in the captain's, uh, the captain of the prison's house for a while until the wife tried to seduce him. And then he fled from that and he ended up in like real prison. And uh, we find out that anywhere he went, he was always blessed. But um, even when he had the opportunity to be released, these two guys, uh, the baker and the butler, Mm -hmm. uh, they both had dreams that he was able to interpret. And he told them, hey, butler, when you get out of prison, hey, remember me. And yet it wasn't for, I think, another three years that until the pharaoh had a bad dream. And then he goes, oh, yeah, there was this dude that could interpret dreams. And so all of that, 20 years down the line his brothers come to to Egypt and now Joseph has been made second in command there in Egypt. And I love what happens because he kind of goes through this whole cloak and dagger deal about not wanting to reveal who he is and wanting to make sure that they're not mistreating another brother wrong and that they've kind of had an opportunity to learn. And then he finds out his dad's alive. Anyway, it's a long story. We'll probably cover it in a, um, 
profile at some point. But I love what he says when he finally reveals himself to his brothers. He goes, don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me into this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive. And, you know, you think about how bitter he could be. And yet he, through his pain, recognized the power of God working behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. And that related all the way back 20 years to those dreams that he initially had. Yeah. (laughs) Talk about 20 years of frustration. Because you mentioned everywhere he went, he was blessed. But that blessing was always um, followed by going to jail again or being accused of rape or, I mean, he just one thing after another for 20 years until that dream finally made sense. Yeah. Yeah. So man, that's, that's a wonderful story. Have you ever, um, read or seen the Count of Monte Cristo? Yes. Okay. That's a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. And he just, I mean, he's hell bent on revenge, you know, and, and it kind of fuels him until that moment where he finally is about to take that revenge. And then he realizes it's not worth it. Um, sorry, spoiler for a, like, <laughs> a really old movie. I have forgotten or, about that. That's okay. a great movie. Great so, flick. That makes me think of Joseph. Yeah. And then um, I have two more. Um, Paul. Paul, we already mentioned how he had some painful experiences. There's another episode where he talks about pain that he has, and that's in 2 Corinthians 12, 7. And it says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And then he says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, have you ever done any studies on the thorn in the flesh? Because I know most Bible scholars, most people that have delved into this have. Yeah, I've I've heard some different opinions on what it might have been and... What what have what have you found on it? Well, okay, I same same. Yeah. Um, so I found that this was interesting. The root word here, when he says thorn, it implies a tent stake and not a thumbtack, and so it was serious. It yeah. wasn't like a oh this splinter bothers me. It was like I got. I got stabbed. I got shanked, y'all. This stinks. (laughs) Yes. This is not something I want to live with. And then I found this. um, You know how we talk about the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament? Mm -hmm. The word for thorn is skolops, which is something which frustrates and causes trouble in the lives of those afflicted. Yeah. And I mean, it's there and it's constant. And I thought it was interesting that Paul says it was given to me. Mm-hmm. which means that God allowed it in his life for a purpose. And, and he says it's to keep him grounded and to keep him from getting prideful in his, in his spiritual walk. And then he says, and it was sent by a messenger of Satan to buffet me. Yeah. And the word buffet, like they used it probably more in olden times and King James times, but in our time, it means to pummel or to punch. Yeah. And I found this, I thought it was interesting. It says, perhaps you've looked into the face of a Christian who is always smiling who never seems to have any worry, is always happy and radiant, and 
as you have thought about your own circumstances, you have said in your heart, I wish I were him. He never seems to have any problems. He doesn't have to go through what I do. But perhaps you have lived long enough as I have to know that sometimes the most radiant face hides the greatest pressures and often the man who's being most blessed of God is the most beaten by the devil. That was from Alan Redpath. I thought that was interesting. So um, Paul says, I prayed for this three times to be removed. That might be a Hebrew figure speech that meant he prayed for it a lot of times. But it was like, I prayed for it three times. That sounds like a Hebrew thing to say, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, I just, it was three times, Bubby. You know? (laughs) But um, Thrice over. Yeah. (laughs) I came to him thrice. (laughs) I smit on the ground thrice times. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But what was it? We really don't know. There's speculations that it was maybe spiritual harassment. Maybe he struggled with a life-dominating sin like lust or um, sinful thoughts. Some people speculate that it was a physical or mental ailment. Tertullian guessed that it was an earache or a constant headache. And a lot of people have talked about how Paul was kind of small in stature and he may be hunched over. So maybe it was like a quasi-moto state. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. Or um, he had terrible, some people say he had terrible eyesight because when he writes, he's like, look what large letters I've written to you. And some people are like, well, no, he wrote like long letters. And then other people have like said that, um, in the actual transcripts, the the writing's huge. Yeah, because he says, as you can tell, I've written this with my own hands. <laughs> it's kind of like, I mean, either if it was a long letter, that wouldn't have made a difference. Yeah. So I, I wonder if it wasn't when he got stoned, um, his eyes. It yeah. His and, eyes were damaged, and who knows what would have accompanied accompanied that type of injury? A uh, rock hit him in the temple or something. Migraines. And, yeah. That, that are constant and, and hindering. I mean, he's <laughs> he wrote half the New Testament, so something that hinders you from writing. That's yeah. In uh, in who like I said, who knows? He could have had migraines. Yeah. Uh, that I don't know. That's. But there, there is a lot of opinions. I have no idea, but Sir it William, was bad. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Sir William Ramsey, I just wanted to say, it didn't even matter to quote the source, but he thought it could have been malaria common to where um, Paul served as a missionary oh, so yeah. that he might have contracted malaria. This is what I like. I like this, that God wanted everyone with any kind of thorn in their flesh to be able to put themselves in Paul's shoes. I generally find, this is a quote from Spurgeon, I generally find that each expositor has selected that particular thorn which has pierced his own flesh. And so I think that God left it vague enough for us to go, um, maybe it is spiritual harassment, or maybe it is a physical ailment. Maybe it is a, a mental complication. Because in the end, whatever each of our thorns are, God's answer to us and to Paul is always the same, which is, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Because when we come to God with a burden, there's always two ways of relief. There's either he can remove that burden or he can strengthen the shoulders that bear that load. And instead of God taking away the thorn, God strengthened Paul under it. And because God wanted to show his strength through Paul's apparent weakness. Great pain brings out the great strength of God. And God wants to reveal his strength and his plan through our quote-unquote weakness. And why? Because grace changes everything. Yeah, you know that that line. My grace is sufficient for you. You're like, well, what it, what it, what does grace have to do with pain? Mm-hmm. It has everything to do with pain because grace meets our need 
as it expresses God's acceptance and pleasure in us. Grace is also available all the time. You had quoted Hebrews 4.15. As you go on in Hebrews 4.16, it says that we should boldly come before the throne of grace to find help and hope in our time of need. And then grace meets our need because it is the strength of God. And this is what we can say is a great paradox because when I am weak, I am strong. And it's God's strength living in and through us during the hardest of times. I found one more quote I want to say is that the valleys are watered with rain to make them fruitful while the summits of lofty mountains remain dry. A man must become a valley if he wants to receive the heavenly rain of God's spiritual grace. Mm. So that's good. This principle that Paul gives us for when I am weak, I am strong has never been communicated any better than by Jesus himself. And I found this quote, could anyone on earth be more meek than the son of God to be hung on the cross, hung in our place that he might redeem us from our sins? As that point of absolute weakness was met by the mighty power of God as he raised him from the dead, I wonder if the pressure of the thorn in Paul's life was a reminder of the power of the cross. And that's the last and great example that I'll point to is Jesus, that he endured the cross that he went through so much pain that they ended up making a new word out of the pain that he felt on the cross. That's that word excruciating. Mm-hmm. And in Isaiah 53, 4, it says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. And then the last thing I'll say about Jesus is in Isaiah 61, 3, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to heal their wounds, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. And then this is my favorite part, and this is what God can do with our pain, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. If there ever is the power of God revealed through pain, the greatest example of it is Jesus. Oh, yeah. That's so true. And I, I, I still think of that Hebrews 4.15. We do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize. Exactly. Because he came down, he experienced it, he was tempted, and uh, he died for us. He went through all of it. Yeah. And, and, and like it said, he took up our pain, he bore our suffering. You know, instead of God taking away the burden, he strengthened his shoulders and, and he carried it all. Yeah. For righteousness, there had to be a sacrifice, and it was a pain he chose. Yes. Yeah, so amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, um, the last thing that I have on on pain, I kind of saved it for the end here. Uh, we could talk about the the meat at first, and this one, you know, there's a lot of people out there with different views and whatnot, and this is snake bird. So we're gonna look at, at both sides, and that's uh, pain for protection, uh, warning light. We because a lot of of pain we were talking about was for growth. 
And uh, this would be more along the lines of pain as consequence. And uh, Josh, I've heard you say something before that's it's stuck with me ever since I heard you say it. And it's this idea that when God tells us don't, he is saying, don't hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if that was a Josh original or not. But... <laughs> I've heard it from James McDonald. Okay, well, it's stuck with me. And it's true. It's very true. Um, and, and we've we touched a little bit on this at the beginning, but we've all heard uh, the analogy of like touching a hot stove. The child's told not to touch the stove. Then one day he gets wild hair and wham, the stove is touched, hand is burned, and hopefully lesson learned. Um, the, the pain of that initial burn, it, it's an immediate indicator from the brain to the hand saying, remove hand now. Um, the signals of pain are there to protect us because if you leave it on there, it's going to get rated R real quick. Mm-hmm. So it's there for protection. And from what I can see in scripture, there are stages of caution that God will employ depending on how serious our situation is. Uh, I was once told by another believer that the God of the Old Testament was the era of which God used pain and punishment. But after Jesus died, there's no more punishment because of grace. And I want to choose my words carefully here because I think definitions, they seem to be a stumbling block these days. And if we're not careful, scripture can get twisted. So, and this might not have been in his mind when he said that, but I want to recognize that God's wrath is not the same as God's discipline. Uh, There are two completely different topics, two completely different Greek words. Uh, Wrath is orge, or uh, if you switch to RNG, it's ogre, if it helps you remember it. But um, that's um, anger, passion, punishment, and vengeance. I mean, that's that's harsh. Discipline is paida, paida? Man, I sounded Texan. (laughs) Yeah, P-A-I-D-E-I-A. And that is training, the rearing of a child, instruction, correction. So wrath is a punishment of God that's driven by a passion of anger and vengeance. And right off the bat, I want to say that true children of God will never experience this side of God. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh and I have talked about how it is, it's such an unhealthy view for a Christian um, to, to have of God where he's just up there waiting to mess you up, to hammer you if you mess up on any little thing. That is not healthy and it's not true. Um, so that type of pain is not for believers. However, there is a pain associated with discipline, which God will use to protect us. And I want to look at that because we need to know about it. Because Josh said, you know, did God send this? Did God not send this? And in some cases he did, some cases he didn't. Hmm. And so the first level of caution is what I would call the discovery of sin. Hmm. Um, When we're first saved, God starts a process where we slowly start discovering where sin is built up in us. Um, Because while we've repented of and been forgiven of our sin, the process of eliminating them can take time. Um, You know, a doctor could eliminate cancer by giving the patient a lethal injection, but that would completely defeat the purpose. Uh, The method is key. And how God progressively makes us holy is a process that not only kills the sin, but it turns us into a perfect creation, Mm. progressive sanctification. So uh, Psalm 19, 12, uh, and I'm going to use the New Living Translation. David says, how can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? 
Cleanse me from these hidden faults. And then again in Psalm 139, 23 and 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts to see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. So the first warning light is discovery of sin. And if there is any pain in this at all, it's the rejection of sin, which is more of a joyful ripping off of the Band-Aid mm. because that means you're not a slave to it anymore. Yes. And very, very mild but the, the second level of cautionary pain is when we recognize the sin in us and we decide we want to hang on to it. And this is where God will get a little bit more direct with his children. And this is the pain of discipline. Uh, Hebrews 12, 7 through 11 says this, It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Should we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but He disciplines us for our good, so that we may share His holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, Afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So we see here that the pain of discipline is employed to yield peace in righteousness. Obviously, God's not going to have to discipline us if we're walking in His Spirit. But should we find ourselves hardening our hearts, hanging on to sin, or refusing to do what our conscience has confirmed for us to do, then you should know if you're a legitimate child of God, there's going to be consequence of discipline. A pastor once told me um, about a man who was convicted of his lifestyle um, of homosexuality. And he came to him after a message one Sunday and he said, you know, if homosexuality is really so bad in God's eyes, why am I doing so well? My business is thriving. My health is good. I'm happy. Why am I being blessed? He said. And this is a perfect example of what Hebrews 12:8 is saying, because we should never base God's view of us on material blessings. It was because that man was not a legitimate child of God, you might conclude that he was receiving no discipline, which if you really boil that scenario down, God give me discipline. Hmm. Give me the pain of discipline. It's like in John 13:9 when Jesus tells Peter, that if he doesn't let him wash his feet, then he can have no part of him. And Peter, terrified at that consequence, says, Lord, not just my feet, wash all of me. Everything. Everything. And so we we want, I mean, the thought of being separate from God, because that's what sin does. If you're one of God's children and you're hanging on to that, um, and I've known Christians, including myself, that have been hindered from moving on to the next stage of God's blessing because of refusing to turn from certain sin. Uh, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And Proverbs 28, 13 says, Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. So if God loves you, he is going to discipline you because he loves you because you're a child of him and if you find yourself holding on to sin and and never seeming to find any consequence in that you should do a heart check i'm not telling you you're going to hell but you've got to do a heart check 
Um, but but here, here's the great news about all of this. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isaiah 30, 18, therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. And we've mentioned Isaiah 1, 18 and 19 before. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. If you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. So God makes it clear that he longs for your peace through righteousness. So if you're in limbo right now or if you've begun to harden your heart, it's a decision that's only a sincere prayer away. And that was definitely a lot of info um, on on pain protecting us. But it's a good thing to know so we can be on the lookout because we don't want to skip over something, even if it's an uncomfortable topic, because we need to know what's going on in our heart and how to deal with it. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, there's a lot of times where I was chastised as a child or punished as a child and a lot of times you know you've maybe heard that this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you Mm -hmm. and i think that you can probably attest to this as a dad that saying actually rings out very true in the discipline of your kids Mm -hmm. and i can see that in the discipline that i've had to dole out maybe as a church leader where you do see that there are natural consequences in this world where there are things that are painful and you're like hey this is a reaction to what you've done And a lot of times what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to bring us closer to God. It's supposed to say, hey, this happened for a reason and that um, that God did reach out in a way of punishment or a way of chastisement, because I think chastise is such a better word versus punish, because what he's trying to do is he's trying to say, hey, you're my son or my you're my daughter, and I'm not going to let you continue in this bad trajectory, I'm going to, in fact, step in the way because I care about you and I don't want you to continue going down this bad road. And with hindsight, you can take joy in whether it's pain for growth or pain as consequence. You take joy in the end result because you're close to your creator. You're close Mm -hmm. to God. And there's nothing, there's no joy that you'll ever find that's going to trump that. Yes. And so we can find joy in that. Yeah. But anyway, I, I... Wish I'd let you end on the Jesus one because, <laughs> but we're snakebird and we've got to we've got to look at at all aspects, all the facets. So um, yeah, yeah. But that pain can have a purpose, can it, Josh? It can, it can. And and I just, it would be fascinating to say that this life could be lived painless, and we'd never experience physical or mental or emotional or spiritual pain, but we would never grow from a lack of it. Yeah. It wouldn't shape who we are and we wouldn't um, realize that our need for God or our need for eternity or, or the fact that this life is going to be short. We would we would live in a fantasy. And, and I think it's even interesting that in those people that call Christianity a fantasy, why would a God who could literally we can make up any story about him? Why would he come and choose a life of pain and a life of crucifixion and a life where uh, rejection and all those things. Why would he do that other than to be able to say, I took on your punishment and also I can relate to you with everything you've ever done. And that's, and that's the whole, we obey because we believe Mm -hmm. because of understanding what he did for us, taking on that punishment, taking on that pain. 
Yeah. And so it's it's a joy. It's a joy to serve him. And um, I don't even call it obey sometimes. It's just natural. Yes. It's because what he's done yeah. in us. Yeah. It's just walking along in his precepts. And yeah. and a lot of times when you're doing it, you're like, you don't even feel like it's obedience. Cause exactly. That's, a lot of people hate that word. Terminology, like, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you're just he's given us a path and it's a path that we follow and it's a path that we choose to follow because it's righteous. Yeah. And we, we, we choose to stay on it even though we drift sometimes. Exactly. And, and I'll say this, I said it once and I'm going to say it again, the pain that we struggle with on a daily basis reminds us that we're human, we're mortal, and that our time on earth is limited. Our pain also gives us a window and an opportunity to speak in the life of someone who might be going through a similar situation and God can use his pain to show his strength in us. Yes. Amen. Did you know there's also coming a day where we won't have any more pain or suffering? Yes, I do. Yeah, I mean... Looking forward to it. (laughs) Exactly, right? Revelation 21, 1 through 4 says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Then I, John, who wrote the book of Revelation, saw the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be more no there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, and there shall be no more pain. For the former things of the world have passed away. I can't wait. I cannot wait either. (laughs) I mean, there's a song that I sing that um, it got really popular a few years ago. And it always comes to mind when I talk about this because it's that verse basically put into song. And it's just, it's so hopeful because it's just like no hurt, no pain, no weeping, no sorrow because God holds us. And it's the hope of that, man, that keeps us driving. Yes. Yeah. And, and if you're in pain today, whatever pain it is, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, just ask God, how can you use this? What do you want to show me through this? Who do you want me to minister to through um, just understanding my pain, why I'm going through it? And how can you reveal your power in me through this? How can in my weakness, how can you be made strong? Absolutely. And I'm not, I'm not putting words in God's mouth at all, but maybe one of those ways is to reach out to us. Yes. Because we would love to hear what you're going through. Not, not if it's pain, we wouldn't love to hear that, but if you're going through some pain, please reach out to us so that we can pray for you and do whatever we can for you because we care about you. We love you. You're a brother and sister in Christ. And, uh, that's what we're here for. This, This is a community. Yes. Yeah. And just remember God's grace is sufficient. And we are made perfect in weakness. And and just like Paul, he's not like, yeah, I want more pain so I can see more God. He's not he's not a sickle like that. Yeah. He just he understood <laughs> that through his circumstances and and we just want to Yeah, exactly. And we just want to encourage you in that as well. So please take heart. I know this was kind of an off the path um, episode and, and next week we're going to come back with another one. So oh, yeah. You know, you're gonna we, like it. I yeah, think. I hope so, yeah. for sure. 
And um, so please, if you have topics that you want us to comment on or you want to hear us talk about, um, connect with us. You can send us a, a message through Facebook at Snakebird, or you can even send us a direct email. And our email is connect at basnakebird.com. And anything that you want to know about us that's not uh, real in depth, but you can find on our website, it's basnakebird.com. Yeah. And um, if this episode or this podcast is benefiting you, please share us with your friends. And uh, if that's not your style, it would help us a ton, more than you know, if you could uh, give us a good rating or review, both preferably if you (laughs) deem us worthy. And um, hey, if you listened to this message today and it tugged on some heartstrings, uh, hop on our website and there's a a section called No God. Go check that out. We'd encourage you. Yes. But um, yeah. Yeah, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, just um, if you can, share, subscribe, all those things. It really blesses us. I mean, we're just trying to hear what God is telling us to do. And, and a lot of times we're sharing personal stories that we never even thought we'd put out there, like missing toes and yeah. stuff like that. So, For real. <laughs> you know, you never know what's going to come up because we're just wanting to answer the call of a snake bird. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. All right. Always remember, whatever you do, wherever you go, no matter what life throws at you, there's never been a better time to take joy in your pain and be a snake bird. bird.